This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Uh, today's verse comes from Exodus 1, 18, 19, and 20. So a king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God wow. dealt well with the midwives. And this is to show that God is all about lying if it saves people's lives. Um, this is Scripture Read Badly. I am Jeremy. And I am Ryan. Welcome back, everyone. It's great to be back from our holiday hiatus. Uh, I'm sure there are other podcasts that you listen to that also went on a holiday hiatus. But ours, I'm sure, is the one that you missed the most. Definitely. Um, In fact, someone, one of my friends yesterday, her input to her speaker to her phone... She couldn't get her headphones in, so I had to help fix it for her. And then she was like, yay, now I can listen to your podcast again. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was quite honoured. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of annoying when... No, no, no. It's kind of nice when the podcasts go on the break, because then I can yeah. catch up on all the older ones that I haven't mm-hmm. caught up on. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I go about it in, in an interesting way, because I listen to... Uh, most of the podcasts I listen to, I'm I'm up to date on. I'm current. Yep. Uh, but then there are there are some podcasts like uh, a podcast called Star Wars Minute, which analyzes every single minute of Star Wars and talks about each and every minute for like twenty thirty minutes. Um, an episode. It's uh, it's hard to stay up to date on those, especially when you start yeah. when they're halfway through Attack of the Clones and you start with yeah. Episode Four. So I am now. <laughs> in Attack of the Clones, and they're in Revenge of the Sith, so I'm slowly catching up to them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely been doing some catching up over the break. Uh, But to catch everyone else up, what has been happening in our lives over the last few weeks? I understand that there has been at least one major change in your life, uh, and that is your location. Yeah, my geographical location. I've changed from different cities in Australia to Vilnius in Lithuania. And it's currently snowing, so that's the best. What's the temperature like outside? Uh, it's been minus 6 for a few days, but apparently it feels like minus 16. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, that's right. how that happens, but... Well, at the, been... moment, at the moment where I am, it's 26 in the Ooh, Gold that's Coast. that's beautiful. Um, yep. Yes. And you changed geography also, right? Yeah, I did. I changed from Newcastle up to the Gold Coast. Um, now, yep. I'm sure people listening are wanting to hear about why I'm not in North America right now. But first, we want to hear about why you are in Lithuania right now, Jeremy. Well, I... um, <laughs> And it keeps shocking people when I tell them. But I am now a pastor of an international congregation in a Lutheran church. Wow. Something I never really said I would ever do, but as soon as I got suggested that I should apply for the position, I was like, that's exactly what I want. Let's do this. Wow. (laughs) Far out. So you've gone and done what every PK dreads, and that is to become a pastor yourself. (laughs) 
Yep. So that's always good. And I'm enjoying it. Like, it's so fun. It's mm-hmm. such a good congregation. And I think when I get into my rhythms, it'll be incredibly life-giving for a whole bunch of people into your rhythms so that's of grace fun. so what it, yeah. what's your what's your daily routine like is it are you standing up at the pulpit three times a week or is it visiting people in hospital or what uh i almost did my first hospital visit the other day but wow. it's um sunday mornings i help run the service and preach mm-hmm. wednesday nights i have a, a bible study <clears throat> and then i've been entertaining most no oh, Maybe half of the weeknights. Yeah. So I'm getting to use my slow cooker a lot. And then as oh, I get oh, to know sorry. the congregation... I, I, thought, I thought you meant entertaining is in you were doing stand-up comedy and things like that. No, yeah, I okay. do that too. I just invite people around and then pull out a microphone. How about those airplane foods? <laughs> Tasty. What's the deal with this slow cooker? <laughs> Yes, I've actually had to ask that question a few times because I just don't understand it. But, um, yeah, so as I get to know the congregation, I will be just hanging out with a lot of people, which is yeah. going to be heaps fun. Yeah. How about yourself? You've started a few different things. Yeah, I have. So uh, when we last recorded and when listeners last heard from us, uh, it was the Christmas episode. And yep. I was saying things like, uh, when you hear this, I will currently be in North America. We will have surprised my fiance's family for Christmas and we'll be getting married in January. Well, think, uh, things have changed and it is for the better. It was not awesome. easy. But before you jump to the conclusion that I have broken off the engagement, that is not true. Um, we flew to North America on the day that we planned to and... I encountered some visa troubles once I got there. They didn't believe that my intentions to enter the country were legitimate. Um, mm. They thought that I would intend to stay. Um, and it didn't help that I had forgotten to uh, take down a note of my return flight details and they couldn't find me <laughs> in the system. And my phone would not turn on because I had a bad phone. And then huh. when my phone did turn on, the Wi-Fi didn't let me download the e-ticket from my email. Um, so they still didn't really believe me. And uh, they found out that I'd been a volunteer for the last few years and thought that if I got offered a paying job in America, I would attempt to uh, stay, stay there. So that uh, that resulted in me being detained for 13 hours and sent back home on a 13-hour flight to an unsuspecting family who graciously picked me up from the airport once they were able to get there through all the traffic. Yeah. Um, and then I went about a week of compiling evidence that I did actually live in Australia and had things to return to and thought that everything was going to be fine. Took a trip down to Sydney um, because that was the closest U.S. consulate. And I had at least 200 people right across the world praying for me. As yes, I went into this interview, expecting that things were going to be fine, that they would understand and grant me the visa. Um, <laughs> and this whole time, my fiance was at home with her family, um, spending time with them, but also quite anxious for me to get over there. Um, the goal was for me to get there by Christmas. And I had this interview on the 23rd or something, the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and they flat out refused me refused to listen to any of the evidence that I provided and that was wow. pretty heartbreaking um, yep. 
and we had to go about cancelling all our wedding arrangements for a North American wedding and frantically trying to get my fiance back into the country so that uh, she could get on a student visa um, so that sometime in the, the coming few months we would be able to get married in either one of our countries. So now yep. she's back in the country and uh, it happened that when she was in flight on the way back over here, um, a close family member of hers passed away and she didn't really she didn't know until she landed yeah. and um was able to make contact with her family and that was pretty devastating as well and um so yeah it wasn't only the fact that she was having to completely change her expectations for where she was getting married but also when she's getting married and yeah. who who will be there so it's been it's been pretty rough um but now she's up here at YWM Gold Coast and she oh, nice. She's just joined staff, and so she's going to be studying a certificate for in Christian Ministries, and that's all going to be that's all going to be good. She'll come through that with a certification, and um, it'll help us have friends and have a network up here. Um, Yay, friends! And so we have. Uh, she has a student visa granted now, so we have locked in a date for the wedding, and it's going to be on the tenth oh. of March up here oh, on the sweet. Gold Coast, and so we. We are definitely looking forward to that. And while things have been a bit rough, we are looking forward to um, the the promises that God uh, spoke into our lives of getting married, uh, coming to actually being fulfilled. Um, yep. So, yep, that's what we're looking forward to. And at the same time, I am also looking for a casual job while I study full-time. Again, I'm back at university doing a Bachelor of Digital Media. So... That's pretty awesome, and uh, looking forward to seeing how things uh, continue to pick up, because they've yeah. definitely improved in the last few weeks. Um, so thank you, everyone out there that that knows of the circumstances and that was praying. Your prayers definitely helped, and um, so that's that's the reason for where I am right now. And it's it's pretty crazy because the last time we recorded, we were in the same place with completely different expectations of what was going ahead than where we are now. Now you're a pastor yeah. in Lithuania and that's fantastic. <laughs> and now I'm a uni student on the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah. um, still excellent. Un- still unmarried, but only for uh, a month or so. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited about how God is working things through. And so yeah. this is, uh, this is kind of a, a real time uh, experience of, of what's been happening in, in our lives, listeners. So I hope that you've enjoyed that, uh, getting a bit of a glimpse. <laughs> and I hope that they're also... all just like, "Boo, get yeah. to the Bible." <laughs> we hate this part. I don't want to hear about your sob story. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, well, speaking of promises being fulfilled, uh, <laughs> we remember that in the Book of Genesis, God spoke some very clear promises to Abraham, and said that you're going to be the yeah. father of many nations. They will possess the land of Canaan. Everything is going to be sweet for your descendants. And we left Genesis with Joseph welcoming his entire family, Isaac and all, into... Sorry, not Isaac. Jacob. Isaac and all. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Pretty sure Isaac died before that. But welcoming Jacob and his family... Zombie Isaac. into, (laughs) ...into the land of Egypt, where Joseph was a prominent man, prime prime minister or something. He was the John Howard of Egypt. And... (laughs) 
Every, everything was pretty sweet. Um, and I'm pretty sure at the end of Genesis it said, so, said something like, they had peace for many years. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, um, there was a Just promise- for our international listeners, uh, do not look up who John Allen is and try and <laughs> put those two together. They're very different people. They, they are very different people, but I'm sure Joseph would have outlawed guns in Egypt if they yeah, were around definitely. back then. So. And stopped the boats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the most important thing, stopping the boats coming down the Nile. That is until <laughs> we get to this little dude named Moses. Um, yeah. So Moses is the dude that we are going to be focusing on probably for the next couple of months, um, but... Possibly only for a couple of weeks. We'll see how things go because his his whole story is uh, recounted quite quickly, and then it gets to the yep. law, and interspersed throughout the law, there's all these little tales of Balaam talking out of his ass and other things like that. Yeah. But um, we have, for the most part, the account of Moses is just all this text, these rules and regulations and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, Jeremy, I believe that you looked into the historical background for Moses. Um, I attempted to do the same. Uh, I think I looked on Wikipedia and maybe a a Jewish website giving some traditional views of Moses. So I thought that was pretty interesting, the things that I found. But what did you find? Maybe you'll have some extra thoughts then from the Jewish side, because I just looked up secular sites that were saying things that I was like, that's a little crazy. Well, why didn't you go into them? That's what we're here for. Let's talk about oh, who Moses was, when he was, or if he was. Yeah, and the if he was is an interesting one because mm. when you look at dates, um, certain I love historical dates. articles... Especially dried pitted dates. Ooh, I do love dates. I pu- I'm starting to put dates in my porridge in the morning, and I told someone that, and they're like, that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. Are you 60 years old? <laughs> I love dates. I bet it keeps they're it regular, like a natural though. sweetener. Yeah, uh, and y- y- I don't you know, know the- about that. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, with uh, with dates, the, the one thing that I've always, always thought about them is that even though they look like cockroaches... Yeah. They taste like natural caramel, and it's amazing. Oh, so and I've good. always pictured uh, in The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis when he plants yep. the toffee, the caramel toffee, in the ground back when there was still the magic in the land, and overnight it grew a toffee tree. Um, Ooh. It said that the the fruits on the tree looked like toffees, except more fruit-like. Wow. Um, but I've always pictured those <laughs> to kind of look like dates. So that's just yeah. a little unrelated tidbit. But anyway, back to actual About dates. dates. <laughs> uh, so the dates, in some people's minds, don't line up historically. Mm-hmm. Like when you use some of the dates from kings versus some of the dates from the historical kings that were in Egypt at the time. Right. Some people can't line them up with specific kings or can't line them up with the actual cities that are quoted in the Bible. Hmm. And then other people talk about um, that the slavery wasn't necessarily the worst slavery we could think of. It was more like bond service that... Um, they just had jobs and they were just working for the king to create certain things. So it wasn't as terrible as some people would think. And then right. some people 
would so that, argue they, that instead of instead of being like these uh, Prince of Egypt uh, depicted uh, whipped servants, they were more like tradies. Yeah. yeah, they were just like a whole bunch of tradies. Right. Um. And that's, yeah, that's and then some, Australian for tradesmen. For those of you that aren't Australian, oh, yeah. that's people that like lay bricks and sh- carpenters and chippies do, and you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sparkies. <laughs> And some other people were talking about um, that one king um, took over an area of the land, and so it was like more not an oppressive state, but almost like the Roman Empire that they championed the local culture to do things, and they were just hiring the people to do um, work. <clears throat> and then right. that also ran into um, Moses being this prince-type character that the the conquerors, if you want to say, mm. were paying him gold and stuff so that he could leave and his people would be off the land so they could use the land that they were on. And that's how they made the Ark of the Covenant and that's where all their gold came from. Right. But then okay. that contradicts some of the actual biblical words, mm-hmm. like when they took the money and that it was... Um, escape and freedom but then freedom can look different like some people don't like working so why not go and get their own land and the promise was about the land the promise Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily about you will be oppressed and i'm freeing you from oppression yeah and so that was interesting and then also all of the parallels with um egyptian creation myths and egyptian um political myths Mm -hmm. there's this one that um Maybe I wrote it down. One second, please. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Seth? Or Set. There was, a, like, their gods. There was a family that were the kings of the heavens, mm-hmm. and their one of their brothers was jealous, and okay. they knew that he would take the throne, so they hid one of their sons and brought him up in secret so that he could come back and take the throne back from the brother. And oh, then that's was, paralleled. Was pun? was that the guy whose name started with O? Uh, Osiris? No, maybe. No, no, no. Um, or Horus. Horus was the boy, the son. But then, depending okay. on what um, literature you read, I think the names change. Just like Greek and Roman creation yeah. myths, they're the same, but they're different names. Sorry, so no, I, I was I was actually getting that confused with something that I read. There was uh, an historical account that apparently Moses is seen in some uh, views as being this other dude whose name started with O, who grew up in Egypt, but then he left and then came back and conquered Egypt, and then oh, left with cool. plundered them and things like that. But he was, and then he took on the name Moses when they went yep. to conquer different parts of Africa or something like that. But it was, yeah, it just seemed. A bit far-fetched and sketchy. Um, Yeah, and I think a lot of this is... You can look at it as far-fetched and sketchy as mm -hmm. if it disproves the Bible's truth. Or it could be that in the context of what... Because arguably Moses was responsible for writing some of it or at least his scribes that were around him at the time because some people argue that there's two different narratives because you can see the different language in the text... Right. And so let's say Moses had two scribes, but because of the context that they all lived in was Egypt, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you use Egyptian illustration to 
um, describe some of these things God is doing. So even our creation story in Genesis, some of that has parallels to heaps of different creation myths at the time. So is it that the Christian creation myth or the Jewish creation myth influenced them or was ours influenced by theirs? Right, was it relevant which I think to is the, it, the listeners at the time because that's what they knew? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that denotes or downplays the truth of God's love in our lives. It's just a truth that you are influenced by the culture that you grow up in. Hmm. Okay. And then his name. His name means in uh, Hebrew to be drawn out because he was brought out of the river. But then yep. apparently it's also a play on some words in Egyptian um, that are given to some kings of their line that they put a god's name with Moses. So, like, Ramesses hmm. is very close to Moses, and it was some kind of play on words with that. And so I was interested by that also. Uh, what yeah. sort of things did you find? Well, I mean, I found that the the Jewish name for him is Moshe, something like that, which yep. I thought sounded like a delicious dessert. Um, mm, I, dates. Yeah, can you imagine caramelized dates and a... Uh, Piping hot Moshe. Oh, yeah. Just put that Moshe on the dates. Come on. Come on. Um, anyway, um, so I found that there was quite a lot of discrepancy about the exact time in history yep. when this happened. And that some people thought that it had to do with Ramesses Third. Some people thought that it had to do with um, his ancestor. And so there was kind of this weird... Uh, time I don't know this this point in history where people couldn't decide if it was uh, 1300 BC or 1500 BC yeah. or somewhere in the middle and they kept on saying things like well there's historical evidence of people moving some you know some people from Egypt moving away from Egypt at yep. whatever it was 1380 bc or 1320 or something and then other people say no there's not really enough evidence to support that so maybe it was more like i don't know this other time in history and it was just really (laughs) it was really weird for me to read that because i guess my whole life i've grown up believing that it's true and that there is historical evidence in the bible that backs up that it is true but then that's also what i thought about genesis and it being a young earth uh, and I don't really know how I feel about that now. Um, yep. So my question, I guess, that I got out of all these different findings of these historians saying one thing and other scholars saying another was that, uh, does it matter? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it does. <clears throat> okay. Because the thing about Genesis, we decided it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how... Yep what the actual days look like, whether they were 24-hour periods or not. Um, Yep. So I guess it doesn't necessarily matter until we really get down to the... uh, The... I don't know. I guess the line of David? That's probably when it becomes most important. When the prophecies begin to be said about the the descendants of Judah and, and those types of things, the line of the tribe of Judah, all this stuff... I think that's when it becomes most important to keep the genealogy. But if you look at places like uh, the book of Luke, 
for example, right at the beginning of the book of Luke, it's talking about um, so it has the the begats, all these yep. these long long list of who begat who and so on. Um, but that sort of stuff was important to them, right? Like to see their family lines. Yeah, yeah, that was important to to see the fulfillment of the prophecy, not necessarily to count the amount of years that each person lived in the, the yep. chronology and then go back and say, this was the exact moment in history. So it's possible that we are at the uh, the time in history where the age of reason and the pursuit of knowledge and, and all this stuff has culminated into this needing to know exactly when things happened. Because um, yep. we're so bent on historical accuracy so then we think that if we can't find historical sources that record that this person was this old when they had this person, and then we date it back and it's whatever, 12 B- 1200 BC, then if we can't yeah. find that, then it discredits the entire thing. But I don't think that's true. No. Um, and it's, it's interesting growing up in a time where everyone Instagrams their every movement so you mm. can, and you're reminded about it a year later by Facebook like you ate some toast last year to think 6,000 years ago they didn't have writing in the way that we do now and yeah. they didn't have historical like proof or reporting so mm-hmm. that we could find all of these things and it's it's probably hard for some of us to imagine that yeah but really, all of this stuff was oral history, and maybe some of the details was forgotten, but that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. because we our faith isn't based on historical proof. Our faith is based on a belief that Jesus existed and was the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, looking, <laughs> looking in Matthew's Gospel, in the first chapter... Um, I'm yeah. seeing I'm seeing all these names, and so it talks about Judah being the father of Perez, and we remember that um, that story about Judah and Tamar. Um, yep. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Ooh. and so Aminadab, I think, um, would be Ram and Aminadab. It's got to be somewhere in there that they're in Egypt, and Moses comes into play because. Yep. Um, it's probably only a hundred years later that we get Boaz entering the story, and yeah. Um, yeah. and Boaz was during the time of the judges, so it's got to be either around the time of Aminadab or around the time of Salmon. Nope, Salmon Ooh, was the salmon. father. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. What? Oh yeah, that's so cool. Boom. Boaz and Rahab and. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, and then Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse the father... Anyway, so um, that is <laughs> a bit of a tangent, but uh, what I'm trying to get at here is that you can go back and see the names of people, but there isn't necessarily the same account of how many years each person lived like there is in Genesis. Yeah. Um, and I also don't really know if that matters. So what is... Uh, right at the beginning of talking about Genesis, I don't even know if we're going to get <laughs> any chapters of Exodus. We're just talking about background, <laughs> but um, when we started fine. when we started talking about Genesis, you voiced the opinion that it could be poetry. Um, yeah, 
and that that at the time was the most important uh, way for the people of Israel to hear the traditions. It was orally yep. and through poetry. It was easy to remember and recount. Um, so, what's your view of Exodus if Genesis was poetry and we know that these are the books of the law and that after Exodus we have Leviticus, which is where they really get into the law, especially regarding the Levites. Um, yep. So if the latter three books of the law are just that, what do you think Exodus is? Is it a weird mix of poetry and historical? Or is it more like a historical book that kind of... There's a there's a cutoff between Genesis and Exodus, and it's kind of a... Now this is history we actually know, and it's not things that have been passed down. And I think it is history, but not in the sense that we understand history, which is technically not perfect, but almost perfect. I think hmm. if it's true that two scribes of Moses wrote it down at different times, from different perspectives even, maybe, um, there are details that are missing, there are details that are overestimated. Like, when you read of... I think someone said once it was 2.2 million men that left Egypt... And mm-hmm. if you pull that amount of people out of a civilization back then, I imagine, that would yeah. do some damage to their economy. Mm. But historically, you can't find that. <clears throat> or at least I couldn't find it in the few times that I've looked and studied for it. Yeah. And you would think that kind of collapse of an economy, especially of a big old civilization like Egypt, would have been written down and proved historically. So I think maybe some of these numbers we've come up with aren't true but let's say it was just even 100 people god took out of egypt miraculously and did some cool stuff and took them across the sea and Hmm. then took them to the promised land and they ended up being an amazing civilization themselves that's still a great story that's still a great backstory for civilization that still shows god's promise yeah and i just so if Exodus... I don't think Exodus is necessarily poetic because it seems more... Uh, what's the opposite of poetry? Uh, Prose, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just like, yeah, accounts. But it was written from a context to a context and it may have been to excite and it may have been to celebrate mm. Jewish history and culture... Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. I think that's a a really good thing. But that doesn't mean we have to defend it with our lives as like this ultimate truth that we have to do everything it says. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so there yeah. is beside the besides the actual exodus of yep. people leaving, um and if there was 2.2 million men and then you consider that there was maybe a woman a of and more for every yep. man um uh oh something something actually that relates to this first chapter of exodus that i noticed as i was preparing for this episode by watching the bible the 2013 tv miniseries the bible's account yeah, of I should moses really watch that um it it uh so it didn't actually relate to what i was seeing but i realized there was an entire generation of men, of Hebrew men, 
the, well, Hebrew boys. It was a genocide of an entire generation of Hebrews. And so then there would have been these girls that when they left, it being 40 years after Pharaoh decreed the murdering yeah. of all the little boys, um, there would have been these 40-year-old women who didn't have any men their own age. So then yeah. there would have been older men and there would have been probably younger men as well. Yep. And so we don't really know uh, which one of those Joshua and Caleb fall into, but also we are not... I don't know. It, it would have been really weird, um, and that kind of makes the numbers thing interesting because if it's 2.2 million men, <clears throat> excuse me, and you consider that there was the potential of there being... 30 sorry not 30 3 million men um then we have even more israelites leaving than that initial number uh suggests so we'd have we'd have more like 4 million women plus maybe a million children leaving so it'd be looking closer to 7 million people leaving israel uh leaving egypt instead of the whatever we estimated for yeah and let let's say that the <coughs> egyptian empire at that stage was and this is very overestimation but the entire east coast of australia sure taking seven million people away from the east coast of australia is ridiculous yeah yeah like it would be so big and That's then what, the interesting thing about that generation population? that was what that's what a quarter of our nation's population Oh, yeah, easy. Mm-hmm. And then another interesting thing about the generation that died is that that takes out all of their leadership. And that's yeah. what I read yesterday is it wasn't necessarily an attempt at genocide, but it was definitely an attempt to get rid of political leadership so they couldn't up do an uprising and take over bits of Egypt. Right. And ironically, but, yeah. the deliverance of Israel came from... The only boy own. that didn't get killed then. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yep. So, um, so we've addressed the historical discrepancies. We've addressed some of the uh, literary language in this. Um, Ooh. Do you think that it was Moses dictating to scribes, or do you think it was Moses writing himself because he was one of the only people with that kind of a uh, a written education or was he more versed in hieroglyphics and things and less in Hebrew customs I because he was brought up by Hebrew women mm-hmm. at first before they were given over to oh, the true. princess true he would yeah. have known both I think yeah. but then also as he set up the Levitical <clears throat> stuff yeah you would assume that he would educate them a little bit, right? Or would they be completely uneducated? Or was it all oral history until someone wrote it down when they got to the promised land? Well, and that's ten- why I'm saying... It- the Ten Commandments were written down, but were they oh, written by the yeah. hand of God or were they written by the hand of Moses? Probably the hand of God in, like, perfect Australian Perfect text. papyrus script or something. Yep. But, <laughs> like oh, the but Avatar logo. Was, yeah. <laughs> and if it was Moses in, like, he, uh, Hebrew or Egyptian or whatever, sure. 
Is he the only one that could read it? Because they didn't pull out the tablets often, did they? They just kept it in the Ark. So yep. they still just knew it. Yes. Orally. And, like, all of Deuteronomy is just his big old speech. It yep. wasn't necessarily written down. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we should look up when things were written down, because if it was in these two different languages of the two different scribes, was that them scribing centuries later? Yeah, well, Joshua made sure that they stopped every now and then and brought out the uh, the writings and recounted okay. the story. Um, so he made sure that the, the written word was passed along and read aloud. So I'm assuming that not a, it wasn't just Moses that knew how to read and right. probably write. Um, but that okay. is... I don't know, it doesn't necessarily relate to the context of the beginning of Exodus, but it is something that's interesting to consider. Um, Were these oral traditions, uh, except for the Ten Commandments, or were they... Oh, yeah, like you said, when were they written down? Was it while they were wandering in the wilderness, or was it more like as they happened? Moses went up on the mountain or into the the tent of meeting when the glory cloud was there and he took a, a notepad and a, a pen and just scribbled down yeah. some notes and then that became the sacred writings or was it more like God making sure that he had everything in order and was living it out and then wrote it down so yeah don't know do don't know. not know well we might find out by the next time <coughs> we might meet we might or we might not It might be a mystery forever. Yeah, so what I'm thinking is um, that'll probably do us for the the first episode back. (laughs) Okay. um, (laughs) It being the background to Exodus, uh, the context to Exodus. And as we remember, um, uh, I mean, as we might remember, there was a time where God spoke to, I think, Jacob, and God said to him, your descendants will be... Uh, under a heavy burden or enslaved or something for 400 years and and here we see that supposedly 430 years later um, that's kind of where we pick up with the story of Exodus in Exodus 1 yeah that's when Charlton Heston comes in and be like let my people go yeah (laughs) exactly or was it uh, I don't know who was was the, the recent one the Batman dude why am I blanking Whoa, on his name? Whoa, there's a Batman dude? Yeah, have you seen Exodus, Gods and Kings? It was Christian Bale. Yes. Christian Bale shows up and goes, Let my people go. And it was pretty awesome. I think awesome. I liked that film too. Yeah. I think I watched it in Sweden and all my Swedish mates were like, that's the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should watch that. Yeah, I mean... Gods and Kings. That's It's pretty decent. Um, maybe we should watch it before we before we talk about the plagues because their depiction of the plagues is pretty gnarly and I, I did enjoy that also before yes, we-, we wrap up here I wanted to plug um, a book by an amazing author called Cliff Graham who we've mentioned before um, he did a book called uh, The Shadow of the Mountain which is a story about Caleb his uh, fictitious historical biblical uh, portrayal of Caleb growing up in Egypt, um, potentially not being a Hebrew. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, He's from Japan. (laughs) 
He was actually a samurai, uh, and he grew up in the court of the pharaoh. Um, he was his sushi chef. Anyway, so it was Ooh, it was tasty. his story, and the depiction of uh, the plagues in that book so yep. good. They are so oh, good, and if you have a very graphic imagination, might give you nightmares. But it's oh. just so it. I feel like it humanizes the plagues because yeah. they've been blown out of proportion with these mythological... Well, are they out of proportion? I don't know. But they just <laughs> have this mythological quality to them where you read yeah. about the plague of the frogs and frogs were coming out of everywhere and it was crazy. Wow. Sunday school, turn the page or turn over the, the felt board and start another one. And then you've you've got the plague of the flies and all these things. But yeah. we just don't... We can't understand how that was for people that actually lived through that and there were many people that lived through it and there were many people that died through it um yeah and in regards to the the mass exodus of people and how that would have affected the economy of egypt if you consider the nature of the plagues it was essentially stripping egypt of every natural resource any wealth that they thought that they had or even that they did have it was all just gone, including all their livestock, yep. all their crops. Everything was gone. So Egypt would have been in the pits for many, many yep. years as a result. And so then that's kind of the the thought behind uh, these other nations saying, we heard about what your God did to the Egyptians, and it's crazy. We're afraid of him. Um, yep. So I don't know if, if that was kind of the... Ooh, I don't know if that was the uh, the view of the surrounding nations of Israel yeah. and what they'd heard about the account or whether that was actually what happened. So I don't know if they kind of exaggerated things in their fearful state or not. Yeah. And but I re- wonder if... Regardless, it's what we have in the Bible. So it's yeah. pretty gnarly. That's what I was getting at. Super gnarly. And I wonder if um, Egypt got rid of all of those stories from their history because... It was a loss for them, and Whoa. not many nations like keep the loss in their history, except Australia for some reason. Like when I tell people <laughs> about Anzac Day, which is like our biggest war fail, yeah, and we celebrate it every year, people are like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, it's um, so that makes sense a bit to my brain. Yeah, yeah, but then then that's crazy because then that's that's a global uh, millennia spanning conspiracy. Yep. Where there's this mass cover-up of the Exodus from maybe they went to the moon too. Maybe they did. I mean, who built the pyramids? We don't know. Maybe we'll talk about that next episode. I don't know. Highly unlikely that it was the Jews. (laughs) Well, with that said, we'll leave the listeners with that uh, cheeky little taste of what is to come in the next episode. Uh, But this has been scripture read badly. My name has been is still Ryan. My, my name is sometimes Jeremy, but depending on who I'm talking to, it changes. Yeah. Mysterious. Um, and this, like I said, is, has been uh, the return episode of Scripture Read Badly. Scripture Season 2. Season 2. Episode Tell 1. Tell your friends. Or Episode 21, because that's kind of Season oh, yeah. 2, Episode 1, 2, 1. Oh, there you go. That's so, perfect. Yeah, we didn't do that on purpose. But we'll pretend that we did. We really did. Tell your friends about this podcast because we would love to have more people joining in the discussion 
uh, along those lines, we'd love to have people joining in the discussion. So if you want to interact with this episode on Facebook, uh, interact with our page, we're there. You can find us. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and we have a blog, kind of, but it's mostly where we upload podcast episodes. But you can comment there if you want. We have a website, scripturedbadly.com, and we have an email address, scripturedbadly at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And if you uh, have a particular thought that you would feel better verbalizing instead of writing out, you can either record an MP3 and email it to us, or you can find us on Skype. We're there as well. And leave us a voicemail, and we will make sure that we listen to it and possibly play it on the air if it's provocative, but not in that way. Um, True. All right, that's it. We still don't really know how to sign these off, but Uh, you're great. Let's just say a quote from some kind of thing. Okay. Um, Um, I can't think of a quote. Winston Churchill. Yes. Bye.